It's September 2017. Manchester United go back-to-back winning 4-0. We fast-forward, and here we are in 2020. The year's about to close, and 4-0 FC is officially dead, because Manchester United are officially now 3-1 FC. It is Larry, your co-host. Welcome to the United Pubcast, and as always, to go through our victory with West Ham. Tom Simpson, how are you after the victory this morning, mate? Well, I really enjoyed my day after the really good start to it. So a nice lazy Sunday at home. I thought I might have a nice afternoon nap until you wake me up with a phone call. And I think I might need to change my sheets. It scared me a little. Well, ma'am, I'm sorry about that. But hey, I've called you at four o'clock in the afternoon. If that's what's happened, then that's your problem. But nonetheless, uh, Tom, there was a wonderful game of football that happened this morning. Well, I mean, if you're going to talk about the first half, I think a few people are pulling their hair out. By the way, you did release a tweet before we rip into the podcast calling for Paul Pogba to come off in the first half. Now that we have the hindsight of the game behind us, um, any regrets? Any regrets? Well, I hope you bring up my tweet to get one matter on the football pitch as well. But yeah, the Paul Pogba one, which we'll definitely get into his performance. Yeah, look, I obviously got it wrong. Solskjaer got it completely right. I was just having flashbacks to the mistake Solskjaer had of not taking Fred off at half-time. And I just, that Paul Pogba performance, you can get into his quality, whether his quality or he was making mistakes, that's up for debate. I just thought he was so careless in the first half and that what was was getting to my frustration. None more so than that bicycle kick in the penalty area. He was just playing his own game. That time he tried to go past Declan Rice when it wasn't on, it was just so careless in losing the ball and obviously when you go a goal down, you have to be more careful. And um, yeah, very, very frustrated with him and I did want to see him come off. But look, Solskjaer got it right, kept him on and he ultimately proved to be the game changer. So um, what the hell do I know? There you go. Solskjaer's a better PE teacher than Tom Simpson, so that's officially down in the books. Tom, let's start with the lineup. Um, we, we've been calling for a four-three-three often, and it hasn't really happened this season. But I think it was here for everyone to see. We've seen McTominay deployed in the sixth position, which has never happened, if I recall. Um, but we saw it today, and then we saw. Um, we, well, in fact, a lot of the start of the starting lineup is what a few of us would have wanted to see. Van der Beek gets a start. Cavani back up front, Rashford getting rested, Bruno getting rested, and I should say Vanderbeek in the number 10, um, or more advanced nonetheless. What did you make of the lineup prior to the game? Yeah, can't really complain. Look, I can have complaints on how it turned out and think, oh, that didn't work, and maybe that's why it didn't work. But hindsight is a good thing, and you'd have to go back to before the match, and it's pretty much what we called for, or some type of variation of that. And we did call for maybe, I remember we were saying McTominay to be that sitter with a Bruno Fernandes and Van der Beek, and then Van der Beek, either Pogba or Van der Beek. So he pretty much did exactly what we called for. McTominay's performance I think we'll get into because a lot of people said he was good, a lot of people said he was poor. It's exactly the type of 4-3-3 we all want. But again, on paper, I think the way it actually turned out was Paul Pogba almost played next to um, Scott McTominay. It almost did just revert back to a 4-2-3-1. But I think because of the personnel on the pitch... In your mind, it had a, that four-three-three with McTominay sitting by himself. Yeah, yeah, it could be just be how the lineup was released. Um, I felt at the start of the game that was how it was lining up, but I'm with you. I think the longer the first half sort of progressed, you felt Pogba was actually sitting quite deep. But I'm with you. I think it was a good lineup, and of course, we saw Dean Henderson in goal. Um, now, before anyone does have any questions around this, have confirmed that De Gea does have a knee injury, which he did pick up in the Southampton match. We saw him, you know, sort of 
uh, crincing his face um, during the Champions League match uh, midweek as well. So, But he should be okay. They expect him to play against Leipzig. So I don't think De Gea has been dropped just, as, just yet. Um, Tom, look, the first half, uh, look, there's maybe not too much to go over. Obviously, United concede again um, after a set piece. Um, I don't even recall the name of the goal scorer, but again, shambolic defending. Um, what did you make of United's first half and, and of course, the goal? Look, on the actual half and the performance, look, if, if we're to rate it, no, it was below par and it needs to be better. Of course, it was poor by United standards and there's no hiding from that. However, the one thing I want to discuss, and I know you share a similar feeling, it's something we never give credit for. If that's Man United putting a dominant display in, we're saying fantastic, ran all over the top of West Ham. But we, from United's point of view, when, it's, when we're on the receiving end, we completely forget that West Ham are a professional football team going about their business. And I thought West Ham were brilliant. And again, United, of course, need to do better. But we completely forget that they're out there doing their thing. And I thought, I look back, I watched the mini-match on Optus Sport, and a lot of the things I thought we did poor, I think during the game I was thinking, oh, God, he's got to do that better. But I watched it back and thinking... Well, hang on. Yeah, you maybe could have done a little bit better, but that's well defended by West Ham. West Ham made it tough in that tight spot. And I thought none more so than it summed up um, Tellez's performance. We'll get into his sort of individual mistake on the actual goal. But he got a lot of criticism for his performance. And I was thinking, well, okay, he wasn't fantastic. And you could almost say he wasn't good. The West Ham winger was very good. And <laughs> the West Ham winger had a very good game. And I'm sure Tellez has played never in his life, played a game at that pace, that first half. That was English Premier League football at its finest. Maybe not from United's point of view, but that was end-to-end. It was 100 mile an hour. How tight did the pitch look? Like West Ham made it so tight. Like Whoever had the ball, whether it was Harry Maguire or Anthony Martial at the, up the, the other end of the pitch, whoever took a touch, their second touch was met by with a West Ham tackle. It was 100 mile an hour. And look, of course, it needs to be better, but I thought it hats off to West Ham because you look at their results early this season. They've drawn with Spurs. They've... Um, drawn with Man City, they've smashed Leicester, they've smashed Wolves. Okay, we can all have a bit of a laugh that they're managed by David Moyes, but they've done well this season. Well, I don't get why people laugh at David Moyes. Yes, he took over champions in Manchester United and he failed, but bloody good manager, he really is. He's a good, he's well improving in the Premier League. Yet Everton in the top four at one point and always in and around the top six, and that's clearly as, as you can see since he's left. That's clearly not a target that Everton have been able to achieve on a regular basis. So that's a good manager who knows how to set up his football teams. And a good football side gave United a difficult time. I'm with you. I agree with everything you've said there. And before we dissect the goals, can we touch on Alex Tellez a little bit? Tommy, he got Patrice Evra treatment. You know Patrice Evra? You know the bloke who ended up leaving a legend, but when he's joined at United, God forbid he was given time to settle in and he was awful. Well, I think that the performance is quite similar. It's an easy easy similarity because it's a left back. But I remember Everett's debut away at the City. Ten times worse than this. Again, Tellez wasn't bad. I just think the West Ham player had a very good game. And Tellez ends up getting an assist for a goal. He ended up having a sort of very positive contribution on the match. I just think he's, it's still so early. It feels like a year ago we signed him. But I'm sure he's, he probably hasn't even had six or seven appearances for United. He's still very early in his time at United. And... I'm sure he has never played a game at that pace. And ultimately, while it was a tricky first half, ultimately you'd have to say, well, he adapted very well and ended up having a very good game in the grand scheme of things. His positional play at times was concerning. The, I think it was in the first half when uh, West Ham... I think the, the players just slipped over before he's taken the shot into an open net. Um, 
So that actually starts with Tellez just completely losing his man. But, like, I'm with you. I, I just think that, like you said, this was a pure English Premier League match. It was end-to-end. It was a very fast-paced game. And if he's playing in... And if you watch Portuguese football, it is nothing like that at all. But on that, it's on a that much point more, there, you say end-to-end, and you say especially in the first half and him being out of position. Again, okay, he needs to do better there, of course, but I'm putting that a lot down to... What I mentioned at the start of the podcast, I'm not putting on solely on Pogba's shoulders, but what I was critical of Pogba was how careless he was. We were turning the ball over in such stupid areas of the field. Tellers has something in his mind. He goes, okay, I'll go now. I'll get in position to help this attack. Suddenly we make a poor decision in midfield. We turn the ball over carelessly, which we, shouldn't, which we definitely shouldn't do as professional footballers. Suddenly Alex Tellers looks like he's out of position. Now, if someone else does their job, he's in a good attacking position. And I feel, of course, yes, he does need to expect the worst to happen. He does need to sort of have that insurance. But, um, yeah, I think he's a little bit hard done by Tellers in terms of that positioning. Yeah, not enough coverage from the Frenchman. So let's talk about Paul Pogba then. Um, well, Tom, we can talk about his performance, but let's start with his goal because, look, the technique itself, and yes, we're, I will ask you about the technology use here, but the technique itself, how good was it? Seriously, what a rocket. Probably an underrated goal. I thought the Mason Greenwood was very underrated, but looking back at the strike, it is it, what what is so good about this strike is he makes it look so simple and it is anything but... Like he hits it so powerful, but he just uses the ball. He uses the side of his foot. He uses the whip. He uses the defender to shield the goalkeeper. It's everything. And it sort of summed up his game because in the first half, he tried almost the exactly same type of shot from exactly the same distance and just didn't get it right. And it looks like it almost looked like a back pass to the goalkeeper where 20 minutes later in the second half, it rockets into the top corner of the goal. And um, again, that is why... Almost in that Bruno Fernandes category, even if Paul Pogba is having a bad game and I'm screaming at the TV saying, get him off the pitch, he's offering nothing. Well, when you have that in your locker, you always offer something and is why Solskjaer has proven correct to keep him on the field. Yeah, look, absolute moment of brilliance. Can we talk about his performance a little bit? Look, let's start with the first half. Obviously, we've touched on it at the start of this podcast, but... Look, he wasn't playing very well, was he? Is it a discipline issue with Pogba, you think? Because like we've said, we almost thought it was a 4-3-3, but he's ended up coming deep. Is the issue with Pogba a lack of discipline, or is it that he simply just has a flaw in his game where he likes, because he likes to play out the bo- outside of the box, and I mean that mentally as opposed to the pitch, that he just simply doesn't have the discipline to play deep? Or should it be that, you know, you are 27 years of age, you should be able to do any job that the manager's asking you to do? Well, definitely he should be able to, whether he chooses not to. Again, we've sort of had this debate, maybe Paul Pogba is what he is, maybe he's not going to develop into what we all hope, what we all want, what Man United need. Maybe he is just Paul Pogba, and we've seen Pogba over the last 10 years, we know what that is. Um, Forget the expectations and forget what we hope for. But I think it almost, and again, Bruno Fernandes has proved a lot more valuable to United because he so often contributes to the match in a far sort of more positive way. But he does fall into that Bruno Fernandes category where he is, and I mean this, I kind of mean this in a good way, even though I've criticised him for it two minutes ago. He's just so careless. He plays his own game. And at this level, I think you can only have one of those in your team when we've had Ken Bruno and Pogba play together. We've had that debate, and of course they can. They that's proved today they they can do it. However, I think on the sort of in these crunch moments, as maybe not today, but in a big game like next week in a Manchester derby, will be interesting when we're defending for large periods. 
I don't know if you can have two so-called careless players on the pitch today. It works when you're chasing a game and you need the ball, you need the goals. Um, but the jury's still out for me whether you can play them together because they're just so similar. I agree. And I think the best we saw of Pogba and Bruno was actually, if you can cast your mind back to lockdown, uh, the first game back against Tottenham when Pogba came off the bench, in my opinion, that was the best link-up we saw between Fernandez and Pogba. But that was because Pogba got to be more advanced because we were chasing the game. Um, I, yeah, I'm with you. I just think we've been asking Pogba to play this sixth position where I think he can do it for France. And I always see that commentary, he can do it for France. Well, to be honest, I think I could do a lot if I had Kante sitting behind me. He can cover the ground of Australia if you give him 90 minutes. And that's the difference. And unfortunately, we don't have that in our team at the moment. But I'm sure we will not go without <laughs> discussing Paul Pogba before the year is out. But Tom, moving on, um, obviously there were more goals and we move on to Rashford. And, oh, well, sorry, let's start with Greenwood. Um, his goal, again, wonderful touch. The cross comes in from Tellez. And Greenwood does really well here because I think that first touch can't be underrated here. He stops that cross dead in its, dead in its path and then the finish, again, powerful and accurate. That fi- it's that, that textbook finish, Mason Greenwood. The finish, when you look at it, that is Robin Van Persie. I know everyone's shocked about it before. That is purely Robin Van Persie. Someone showed a clip of one of his first goals when United were away at Southampton and he scored that hat-trick. It is just textbook technique. And look, before I get into the goal, because like you said, you almost skipped over, you went to the Rashford goal. I think looking back at the Greenwood goal, it doesn't get enough credit. Because as you say, it was a great, nice little ball. Not not the sort of best cross in the world, but a nice ball into the box by Tellers. But Greenwood makes it a brilliant ball by that touch. But just before that... We all know the troubles Mason Greenwood has had over the last couple of months. But since he's come back into the team after maybe international break, he's had one or two appearances, he has been shifted out wide, which does obviously take away from his game a little bit. But I think he's done very well. And even today, while frustrating at times, I think on the whole the team was frustrating, which added to Greenwood's problems in the first half. But I thought he was good again. And again, he wasn't fantastic. He wasn't 10 out of 10. But he's done very well in the last couple of weeks and ultimately deserved that goal and... You could almost argue it's a match-winning goal. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. At the end of the day, yes, Rashford's goal was excellent, but Greenwood's goal is so good. And, you know, I think it's a goal for the football football purist. I only say that because I think if you're a casual fan, maybe you don't appreciate the touch he takes when the cross comes in. Because, honestly, that is so hard. The pace at which that ball was coming into him... For him to just stop it dead in its track and then hit it first time for the finish. Well, not just the touch there. You're completely right with the touch. But the shot, there's so many difficult things with the shot. One, it has to be first time. One, it has to beat a very good goalkeeper. But the ball, the way the ball is spinning, is spinning down, spinning down, spinning down. And that spin is completely going to change when it hits the floor and is back on its way up. And he just connects so sweetly with it. It is, trust me, go back and watch it on slow motion and just appreciate how hard a ball is to hit when it is spinning like that. And yeah, full credit to him because he definitely deserves it after the last couple of months he's had. The prospect of what Mason could be in about three to four years, where his body, you know, grows into his body still a little bit, um, and the, just once he learns a bit of that n- that natural instinct for playing like a number nine, like Cavani does, Tom, I'm telling you, I- I'm I'm generally excited at what could what Mason could be, and then we come to the rush for a goal. Um, <laughs> he was unlucky not to finish. Um, he had a wonderful opportunity that Pogba put on a plate for him, unlucky, hits the post, maybe takes a touch too much. But he makes no mistake with this one. One mutter, a brilliant ball over the top, but not too... It, it was the, one of those... 
This ball from Mata as well, and I'm sorry, Tama, I'm probably stealing a little bit of your gloss here, but the ball from Mata is so good, and it's Paul Scholes-esque. And yes, it's not 40 yards across the pitch. It's Paul Scholes-esque because it had such a good flight on it. And when I say that, it didn't go too high, It was, but it came at such a good pace that once Rashford got onto the ball, no one was going to catch him. And then all he has to do is finish. And the chip is perfect. He's really worked on his composure in front of goal, you can tell, but... A class finish, and it puts the icing on the cake for United. Well, I'll save my one matter segment for after we touch on this goal, but just on the Rashford one, obviously he does miss that chance a few minutes earlier, and I felt hard done by, or not me personally, but he's a bit tricky on that first one because he just gets out of stride just a little bit, and that forces him to take an extra touch, which just changes the whole mindset in front of goal. Scuffs his shot, unfortunately, hits a post. However, I think we've seen, and again, it's not to sort of cast a final picture on Marcus Rashford's development but we saw a difference there in terms of when he was going through that second time you were just a lot more confident and I think that that is something that Rashford is growing into his game a maturity if something doesn't go his way he's very easily now or I wouldn't say very easily but he's starting to sort of develop the trait of putting it behind him and focusing on his next job and when he went through for that second one it was almost okay he'll score this and it those finishes they look so easy when the keeper's coming out and the player just dinks it over them. Trust me, they are not easy. They are difficult finishes. One, they take a lot of guts because if the keeper just stands there and you just chip it straight into the keeper's sort of breadbasket, you look a complete idiot. So that, it takes confidence. But it also takes ability because otherwise the keeper will just stand there. You have to show something to sort of commit the goalkeeper to going down. And Fabianski has obviously, I think it's Fabianski in goal, has obviously seen that by Rashford. Rashford has said, OK, I won't put it under you. I'm just going to wait and put it over so completely very happy with Russian performance and in a little bit we'll get into the three two ones and I haven't even decided I wouldn't have a clue who I want to go with my points but he's definitely in that Bruno Fernandes career when he came on the game did change yeah absolutely and look I I almost didn't we didn't have it in our in our podcast notes but I gotta say Martial was so frustrating today Tom my goodness I thought he was so poor I can't even defend his performance today. Thoughts? Yeah, look, no hiding. Yeah, he was poor, so no hiding from it at all. I just feel, again, a little bit hard done by. And again, he needs to take responsibilities for performance. He can't blame it on other people. But so often in that first half, I forget who the defender was who was pinning himself against. Uh, I forget which one it was. I think he was sort of towards the right-hand side of the defence when they lined up in a three-type thing. He was almost bear-hugging Marshall from behind. Not in a bad way. He was just so tight. Wherever Martial was on the pitch, he was touched tight, pretty much at a bear hug around him. And Pogba and especially McTominay were just fizzing the ball straight into McTominay, hundred uh, sorry, into Martial, hundred mile an hour. And the defender was straight on him. Martial couldn't do anything, whether it was a one touch pass or anything. The game was over as soon as the ball was coming into Martial. That defender had him on toast through no fault of Martial. Martial's occupying a defender, taking him out of the game whether on purpose taking him out of the game or not, but that defender was touched tight. So there is space somewhere else. Martial doesn't want the ball. Maybe he's showing for the ball, maybe just to create a bit of a distraction to maybe open space up somewhere else. But the ball is pinged into him, and Martial then loses it. You could say Martial could do better with the ball. Of course he can. But for me, the problem stems from the stupid decision of the pass. You look at it, and when Martial does get a few chances, he hasn't been good enough lately, which is summed up not just this game, but his last couple of weeks. So, unfortunately, those little maybe picked up a bit of an injury, which 
look, it's one of those things, maybe now uh, injury might do him a good thing. Maybe a couple of weeks off might just sort of recharge the batteries, maybe. I'm with you. I, I feel sorry for him. I do. I think he's trying hard, but I think it's almost at that point where he just needs to be pulled out a little bit because you can just see every time he's on the pitch, all he can think about is scoring a goal. And it's just not happening for him. So hopefully, I don't want. Obviously, I don't want him injured. But if it means he gets a few weeks mental break, then I'm all for it. All right, Tom. Floor's yours. I know you've been waiting for this. I'm sure your ball's already up. Please give us the one mata loving. Well, you started the podcast saying that I was calling for Paul Pogba to come on. That's correct. I put my hands up and say I definitely got that one. Sol- definitely got that wrong. Solskjaer definitely got it right. From the exact same moment, I was saying get one matter on the pitch, and I did not care where. Put him at right wing. Put him at left back. The game was so chaotic in that first half. Again, true, true credit to West Ham. And true, okay, we'll definitely pour on our half. But I think West Ham were good. There was no space on the pitch whatsoever. Every time the ball got pinged into the final third for one of our players, like I said with Martial, there was a defender on them. Our second touch ended up being a tackle with a West Ham player. So West Ham made that game a nightmare for us and fair play to them. In that situation, a lot of people, when I put the tweet out saying, Just get one matter on the pitch, no, the game's too quick for him, he'll get run over. And I said, no. He's going to get the ball. He's going to put his foot on the ball and calm everything down. And we do look at the way Rashford and Bruno came on at halftime, and the game definitely changed then, and Pogba grew into the game. So I'm definitely not taking anything away from those substitutions. And if you look at the clock, of course this... Of course, I'm taking the piss a little bit, but it does come down to coincidence. But when one matter comes on the field, six minutes later, we're 2-1 up. And of course, it doesn't all come down to how okay, one matter wins the game. There was far more sort of telling factors than he... But when he came on, the game just stopped. Like in terms of in terms of that chaotic nature, it just slowed down to Man United's pace, and we were able to dictate. Bruno was able to get on the ball. Pogba was able to get on the ball. And I'm, again, not putting it all down to one matter, but trust me, it played. It made a huge impact having me on him on the field, because he just slows the game down to his pace. And when the game is played at a player's pace like that, we look at Paul Scholes, we look at Mark Cabot, we look at David Silva, who's the obvious comparison of one matter. That team is going to start getting a foothold in the game. And we didn't have a foothold in the game for that first hour. You bring him on, and against a team like West Ham, I thought he, he made such a big difference. And the pass as well, that's a... Look, I wouldn't say it's an easy pass, but he makes it look so easy. You just mentioned before, the spin he puts on it, puts it on a plate for Marcus Rashford. Yeah, I'm with you. I thought, he at this stage of his career, he doesn't need to be brilliant for 90 minutes. He just needs to come in and do the job that he's meant to do. Um, a player doesn't always have to run in behind and score a thousand goals to be effective. And one Mata did what one Mata does. He, he he brought a tempo to United's game. And full credit, I thought he did it really well. All right, Tom. I think that's a perfect transition into three two ones. Do I do I dare ask um, who your three points goes to? To be honest, I have no idea. Um, if you if you want to throw a suggestion out there, we can debate. Look look, I could do tongue in cheek one matter. I don't, I don't think maybe I could maybe argue a point. Maybe I do think you need to look at goal scorers and sort of the the other two substitutes who are on the field longer, in terms of if you're given points. So I would have to maybe start it there with either Rashford or Bruno. I'm not sure who got the Man United man of the match. I think it was Bruno Fernandez. And yeah, it would be hard to argue again. Maybe it didn't stand out in the way like a goal scorer would like a Pogba or a Rashford. But again, I think he's almost that perfect sort of argument or perfect debate that are we a one-man team? Because <laughs> it changed again with Bruno coming on. I don't think we're a one-man team, but Bruno's reminding me a lot of Wayne Rooney when Ronaldo left. And what I mean by that is we weren't a one-man team when Rooney was pulled out. If you remember that nine ten season when Rooney got injured um, against Bayern, you felt our season just mm. 
not fell apart, but you felt like, well, yeah, we're not going to win the title now. We're going to come out of the Champions League. Such was his form. I think Bruno is definitely United's most influential player. Oh, There's definitely. no doubt about it, and and you and you just have to look at the second he comes on, like you were calling for Pogba's head. How much better does Pogba look with Bruno on the pitch? It's not always about what he does on the ball, but he's. I'd love to see the stats for how many possessions he had because he, he was he had the ball plenty in that second half, Bruno Fernandez. And I think what he does uh, more than anything is he's so intelligent. The positions he occupies on the pitch, he makes space and time for other people. And you know, on a football pitch, time is everything. You get an extra second to pass a ball to shoot. It's a whole second in a game of football. It means everything. So I think Bruno Fernandes, purely for the influence on the match. Yeah, no, three yeah, points for me. Hard to argue. He was. Um, you just you almost fall in love with Bruno all over again. Like you, you sort of do get frustrated at times, but when you see what he gives to this team and where we po- where we possibly are now, we haven't looked at it now. But you look at that table. We're now in the top four. Obviously, at the time of recording, um, it'll change by the time you listen to this. But where would we be without him? Not not just now, but since we've, since he came in in January, almost a year ago, where would we be without Bruno? And we got a game in hand. I mean, if you take into account Tottenham uh, to play Arsenal, and by the time you you listen to this, that result might already be out. I think that should Tottenham have a, a draw, United are two points off potentially with a game in hand. Like what a result that is! So look, I think for all our for all our. Um, Beginning our season with the jitters, I think United are really putting themselves in good stead. I think that's four wins on the bounce in the Premier League now. So, look, fantastic to see. Two points. Um, for me, it has to be Dr. Marcus Rashford. Um, look, he, he should have had a double. But, again, I just think the movement he provides and the the nature in which he finishes the, the goal um, at the end. Um, I'm, and, of course, taking into account he's played half a football match. I think, again, quite influential in the result. I, th- I think almost the exact opposite and just as influential impact that one matter had on the field when he came and one matter to slow the game down to our pace but Marcus Rashford gave us that threat that we didn't have in the first half in behind and I'm not saying just him just lob, lob the ball in behind and hopefully he chases onto it with his pace not just that it was just a threat of West Ham were worried about that West Ham were dropping that five or ten yards deeper and that was getting Pogba that was getting McTominay a little bit you know five yards extra space on the ball which were it just it proved beneficial and like I said earlier on his goal, I think Marcus Rashford is just slowly starting to develop little things to his game. And a big part of that, I think, is maturity. I think when Rashford now makes a mistake, which was the shot that hit the post, it was clearly wiped. Okay, I made a mistake there. My next job, I'll do that better. And um, fair play. Is that, not, is that his ninth goal for the season? He's, he's scoring goals. I think, well, I think they said he's top, or at least tied. Um, I think there are a few maybe on the same number, but tied top goal scorer in the Champions League this season. And well, whatever you say, that can only be a top player who's doing that. Tied with Erling Haaland, not, not a bad player to compare against. And he seems to score like an ad-trick every week. So Rashford, Rashford scoring goals and um, long may continue. I'm with you on that. And I think for the for the one point, Tom, I'll give you the pleasures. I don't, look, I would say one matter. However, I think someone we haven't mentioned in the podcast and... We alluded to maybe was he at fault one, once or twice in the first half, but again, I thought Juan Bissaka had a very good game. Um, he, he was tested a lot, so he had a lot to do and a lot of defending, and again, I thought West Ham did extremely well, which sometimes would, maybe you, it would look like your fullback doesn't do well. But I thought Juan Bissaka maybe within a shout, but then you got the influence of Paul Pogba again. If that goal doesn't go in, which is a world-class strike, no matter what substitutions we make, no matter how well we play in that second half, ultimately goals change games, and... Pogba ends up um, changing the game in our favour. So 
I'll leave it for you for and one. And if point. Rashford finishes, if Rashford finishes that opportunity, Pogba comes off the pitch with a goal and an assist. Yeah, no, so. look, look, I'll leave it up to you for one point. I think because I am I'm torn with a few players here. I totally understand what you're saying about Wambasaka. I'm just. I'm so, and we spoke about this before we started recording. I'm so uninspired by our defense at the moment because anyone with a set of eyes can see. Like, if you look at Maguire and Lindelof, and it's probably more to them as opposed to Wan Bissaka, but they are playing well because there is so much protection in front of them at the moment, and I'm very unimpressed with Maguire and Lindelof. That both of them, I'm very disappointed in them in terms of. Like, I don't want to go too hard or too harsh, and this is after a positive result, so. I don't want to be a glory hunter in that respect, but you have to say, Tom, like the the way that United are needing to line up because of the frailties in their game, and and yes, it's not fair because eighty million defender and whatever else, you have to say it's quite disappointing. Um, anyway, I, I know I've moved on a little bit on a tangent there, but that in a whole is why I don't want to give Wambasaka praise. It's just, and I know that sounds harsh. He he cleans up. His tackling ability is excellent, but I feel he could avoid a lot of that if his positioning is a little bit better. Yeah, well, well the uh, the perfect example is that, and I don't think it was a positioning issue for that tackle where they are in on goal, and he makes that ground up to make that sort of slide and recovery tackle right on the edge of the box. It's not it's not a poor place positioning. We just commit so many plays forward that. Again, it's almost as a sort of an example. It's his mistake that leads to the ball gets played to him. He just is off balance and he sort of tries to stick a leg out. He misses it. Ultimately, you call that a mistake and West Ham are through and he recovers to sort of clean up the mess. And you can only give credit for him because if he doesn't clean it up, uh, I think we're 2-0 down at at that time. So, yeah, uh, look, I think we look at Wan-Bissak and we look at a £50 million player with think, okay, what are we going to get from that? Forget all that and just think, he's our right back. What are you going to expect from a right-back? Like, are we going to expect Trent Alexander-Arnold? No, we're going to expect a right-back who does well for United. We're not going to expect him to go win us the league. So uh, f- forget the price tag, forget his maybe deficiencies going forward. He's very good for us. And I know, I know you completely agree with this, but when we, a lot of fans do go over the board with Wan-Bissaka, he's a young right-back. He's doing extremely well. He's doing better than what other right-backs have done for us over the last couple of years. All right, no, I'm with you. One Basaka, two Basaka, three Basaka. We'll minus the two. We'll bring it back to the one, and it's one point for one Basaka. I'm with you there. All right, Tom. Um, I think that's time to see what, what, what are the fellow, what are our fellow patrons in the pub? What do they all think? Tell me. What's on Facebook? What's on Twitter? Well, we'll start with Facebook. And George um, might disagree with both of us there. He's gone uh, one Basaka for his man of the match performance. He won three points for one Basaka. Um, two for Bru- the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper for the Manchester United supporters group is finding a way to give the defender three points. Not surprised at all there. <laughs> but um, he's gone Bruno for two points, obviously, and another interesting shout. McTominay for one point broke up a lot of play in midfield and was actually quite efficient with the ball today. So we do. I don't mind McTominay in that play. Look, we probably called for it before the match, saying playing there by himself. I just think. We're going to fast forward in a Leipzig preview in a little bit. Hopefully Matic being rested for this game against West Ham means he's going to start because if you give me the chance in a must-win game, not so much a must-win game, but a high-pressure situation, which um, Tuesday against or Wednesday our time against Leipzig will be, I think I'd much prefer Matic playing that role. And just in, just in terms of the way he passes the ball, McTominay's good, McTominay can be effective. I just think which I've mentioned with Fred and Pogba lately, we can't be careless. When Matic does have the ball in that area of the pitch, those passes need to stick. 
and I feel whoever we have there, whether it be a McTominay or a Fred, the passes nine times out of ten, or eight times out of ten, they stick. But with Matic, nine times, ten times out of ten, they stick. And I think that's going to be very important midweek in the Champions League. But we'll go on to Emma on Facebook. said three points for Bruno, two for Rashford, and also a point for one Bissaka. So pretty much exactly the same as us. Uh, Robert has gone a massive game of two halves and a massive three points for us. Three two ones equals six points. So I'm dividing them up today. He's gone Bruno for two, Matter for one, Rashford for one, Hendo for one, and Maguire for one. And just on that point, which is a fair way to look at it in terms of... It was very hard for me to split who to give the points to. Just your thoughts. We, we touched on a little bit, but mainly down to De Gea's injury. What do you think of Dean Henderson? I thought, again, it wasn't a 10 out of 10 performance, but I thought he did very well. There was one or two crucial saves. Not saves in the first half, but good bits of goalkeeping. And then ultimately a very good save from a free kick at the end. Yeah, I think he's solid. Um, and I think you're seeing... Just this is... I'm definitely nitpicking here. Um, there was a ball... I think it was a cross came in in the first half and he's missed it completely. The only, And I, that's not an ability thing. I think Hendo is almost suffering what Martial's suffering from in a... He's feeling a need to really... He's eager to impress. And I think he just needs to be careful in that respect because he is talented um, and just needs to play his natural game. I think if he does that and doesn't think, you know, I need to have a mir- miraculous save or be overly brilliant, um, I think he'll definitely be competing with De Gea for that number one spot but with it I thought he played really well no, definitely and on Facebook Red Devils Down Under said three points for Bruno pulling the strings two for Rashford brilliant coming in off the left wing where he belongs and he's given one point to Henderson as well his quick thinking started off the golf fest it was in all day long and just on that point there, which we discussed at the start in terms of that first goal we're not complaining obviously but the long ball from Henderson, did it go out? Did it stay in? Your thoughts? And I want to maybe not have a wider discussion, but should, should technology be in for those balls that are sort of on the sideline? Like, surely, and I'm not a scientist, I'm not, I'm not sure how Hawkeye works, but if we can have the chip in the ball to designate if it goes over the goal line or not, surely the same technology can, technology can just be used for the sidelines. And it will just be a bip in the watch if the ball goes out. I'm... I'm almost going to go on a bit of detour with this. I really don't care if the ball went over the line or not. Um, and the only reason I say that is, if anything is is really obvious, I think human eyes will catch it. So when I say that, I'm saying because it wasn't so obvious, because we need to discuss whether did it go over, did it not go over, that says to me that it's not conclusive. If it's not conclusive, I think the benefit of the doubt needs to go to the attacking team. Um, and that's why I just I, I get worried that and we've seen it in rugby league in this country when you go or have a strong reliance on technology there's no pullback once you say okay we want technology for this that and the other yes it might give you more accuracy but you're going to see stoppages in this free-flowing game that we've all grown up to love but, and I just I'm, I don't want that but with that and, and look I agree but with that I think the since technology has come into the game over the last couple of years the best bit of technology I think I can only remember one mistake it was the first game after lockdown in terms of goal line technology, I think it was Sheffield United and Aston Villa. But other than that, there has not been one mistake with goal line technology. It doesn't. It doesn't the referee doesn't have to go to the monitor. It is just his watch bips if the ball crosses the line. It wouldn't stop the play at all. You wouldn't have to go back. And again, I'm not complaining. If it did go out, fantastic. I love to win in that sort of fa- in that sort of fashion. But that type of technology wouldn't slow the game down at all. It is okay. Bip, the watch bipped. Stop the play. 
Yeah, yeah. Look, I take your point. Um, look, in terms of was the ball over or not, I, look, I personally think it was. Yeah. Well, we'll quickly just finish the last couple of comments. Adrian, three for Rashford, two for Maguire, one for Bruno. Tellers, unfortunately, let the team down today. Bowen had him in his pocket. And Adam from the Supporters Club says three for Rashford, two for Bruno. And a very smart man by saying one point for one matter for that mint pass to Marcus Rashford. So, um, yeah, nice positive. A good variation of three point three two ones this week, which is always good. I was feeling that first half, we're going to have to scrape the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, and look, if there's variety in the answers, that always means that there was more than three players playing well on the pitch and it was a more team effort, which is, of course, what we want to see. Um, Tom, I think that leaves us into a quick preview for Leipzig. Not so much the game. Look, we know it's almost like a, a mini-cup final in respect of, you know, get the one point you go through, which makes it hairy for United. I think you'd rather just be in a win-or-lose sit- situation. But nonetheless... Oh, just looking at the team selection here, I just want to ask you, like, we did say, you know, Pogba probably does need to come in. Then we both said, you know, but we wouldn't put him in. He did start this game. Clearly a game of two halves for him personally, as much as the team. What would you do uh, for this lineup? If De Gea is fit, does he come in for you? And I guess midfield is the pressing one. So what what would you be doing if you're Solskjaer here? Look, again, Solskjaer has an extremely hard job because, to be honest, I have no idea what I would do. Whatever I suggest, the other half of my mind would be saying, no, that's completely wrong, that's not going to work because of this. So it is such a hard spot. I think, yes, De Gea obviously comes in. And the most of the discussion will revolve around midfield. Maybe his hand is forced a little bit. Obviously, Fred is suspended. I think, for me, the key, and not just in terms of the formation, but in terms of the way we're going to play and approach this match, Nemanja Matic, I think, almost has to play. And I think when you're going to when you're going to play him there, can we afford in a game? I know, I know you mentioned there it's maybe not an ideal situation where you can have a draw. Maybe it's better if you can just go for it. I completely agree. However, it's ninety minutes when that first, when that whistle kicks off, we're going through. So we're almost just in that mindset, just naturally. And whether that's dangerous or not, it has to be a positive because that clock's going to be ticking down, and, and we're actually going through at the moment that the ball is kicked. So I think we will sit someone next to Matic. McTominay or Pogba? Look, I would say Pogba in terms of the quality and then you can have Bruno further forward, but then I have that case where can you play Pogba and Bruno together and have that carelessness in such a, in such a pressure game? And I think Solskjaer is going to have a decision to make. Can he trust Paul Pogba? And I think a lot will depend. I think it'll be McTominay or Pogba next to Matic and it'll solely come down. We'll have an answer. Does Solskjaer trust him or not? I'm with you. I think he does go Pogba. I really do. I think in in must-win games, you want your big players on the pitch. And I think he he would trust Pogba to, to perform in this one. And, and I, look, I think we've seen... I, a, I completely agree. Sorry to interrupt there, but that's what... I completely agree. However, is it a must-win game? As I said, when that whistle goes, we're going through. So does he have McTominay in there next to Matic? Uh, look, I'm not the manager. And obviously, Solskjaer's paid more than what we are. But... I think you don't want to go in looking for the draw. I think if you start with Matic and McTominay, that's almost what you're doing. And I, my fear with that is, if we do happen to concede, because we have to remember the other side, Leipzig need to win this game. So if you look at it from that side, my theory is we go behind and there's not enough attacking options on the pitch. And I don't want the confidence of the players to be impacted because the first half is dragging out and we're not being able to score. The other side of that is, yes, you can always say we can bring a player off the bench, but... I'd rather approach it from let's get a goal and be comfortable as opposed to let's sit on what we have. I think that's that's the concern if you go with a Matic-McTominay midfield. But 
again, as you said, we'll wait and see. Further up the pitch, um, look, we've seen Cavani come off at halftime today. He came off um, midweek as well against PSG. Um, look, we, we don't know if Martial's injured or not, but let's look at it in terms of if everyone's fit. What would, what do you do here? Well, it looks hard, and I think a lot will come down to fitness, and obviously Solskjaer will say that in his press conference, who makes the trip or not, and will definitely have a clearer picture. Rashford, almost first name on the team sheet, out on the left, I think. Um, look, it's hard. I think we'll need one of Cavani and Martial up front in the centre forward. I think ideally at the moment, obviously due to form, you'd say that to be Cavani. Now, let's just say worst-case scenario, Cavani and Martial are injured, which is a potential. Both will come off injured. It might happen. I would play Greenwood through the middle, and the main reason is I don't want Greenwood on the right. And I think you can... And again, people are going to call me biased or not. I would play one matter on the right just for the shooter. In this game, where you're going to need composure, you're going to need experience. I would get Greenwood away from there, shirk him of all defensive responsibility, throw Greenwood up front where it can be a handful, and play one matter on the right just to keep the ball because when we get the ball against Leipzig we're going to need to keep it if we just keep giving them possession keep giving them possession I think it's going to be a long night for our defence so I think it's again uh, the game for one matter and Nemanja Matic to come in I know they're slow I know they're not easy on the eye for a lot of young fans but we're going to need them in this game I feel I don't disagree I don't disagree alright Tom finally before we before we put the beers down tell me uh, this time next week are United going to the final 16? Look, I do. I, I felt confident going into this West Ham game, regardless of the result. I think, I, do, I just have a feeling, if you, when the Champions League draw was made months ago, if you put us in this position, so you need a point in your last group game to go through, considering where we were, we're in the Europa League and sort of struggling in the um, start of the Premier League season, you'd take it. And it, I think it's still a very good position to be in. I know it's going to be extremely nervous when that clock's ticking down. And Leipzig have the ball, you've got to go, oh God, one shot and we're out of the Champions League. But I'm confident. I think the players will step up. I think it's important for the players. I think it's something... I don't think they can smell a Champions League trophy coming, but they can smell a chance. You get out of the group, who knows, that that can really kick on the season. And I think there is the ball is starting to roll for United, I think, a little bit in terms of confidence and momentum. We're almost going onto the field. <laughs> Maybe the performances aren't showing it, but I can almost see in a mentality, we're going onto the field thinking, OK... We're Man United, we're the better team here. Um, we're going to get the result we want. And I think we do step on field, like we did against Leipzig in the first game. Leipzig were good, but United just went in there saying, we're Man United, we're going to win this game. And I have a feeling we might do the same. So I don't care about winning the game this time. I'll take a boring nil-all draw every day of the week. I don't care about top of the group. I don't care about who we get in the next round. It is simply qualification. And like I said, when Solskjaer's back is against it, and I'm not saying he's back against the wall here, but it's obviously a high-pressure situation... He pulls out a result, and I back him to do it. I'd say maybe a one-all draw. Yeah, and uh, I dare to say if Martial plays, I think he'll score. I think he'll break his duck in this game. All right, and I think that's a good place to leave it. Um, as always, thanks for joining us. Please make sure if you're on your, if you're holding your phone, which I know you are, if you're listening through iTunes, give us a five-star review. It means more people can join us in the pub and get exposure to this podcast. And, of course, that's what we love to do. Um, and, of course, uh, um, and I've had some people reach out this week. Once a month, we've been doing um, – we've basically been doing a genuine podcast, which is why this is the name of this podcast, where we choose a neutral location. You can come sit with us, have a drink, have some food. And if you want to have your say, come join us. So I'm sure we'll try and organize that in the next few weeks. Um, 
possibly prior to Christmas, Tom? Yeah, well, there are a few kickoff times for the Man United Supporters Club here. The kickoff times for December have just been released. And um, stay tuned because there are, I think there's the League Cup game is a maybe Christmas Eve. It's a 7 a.m. Christmas Eve, but there's also a Saturday night game on Boxing Day, I think 11.30 against Leicester, which I think a few of us will go to the pub for. And then I think maybe the 30th, I think there's another 7 a.m. game where you, around that time of year, a lot of people are off work. So at 7 a.m., I think it's a Wednesday or a Tuesday morning. Um, it's always good to get down for a bit of breakfast at the pub. So, um, yeah, we'll definitely post on all the social medias if we have a bit of a gathering at the pub coming up. Yep, so stay tuned for that. And, Tom, pleasure as always, mate. We'll chat after the Leipzig game, hopefully discussing United not in the Europa League. Yeah, fingers crossed. Touch wood. All right, cheers. Yeah.